The goal is not simply to have lots of stuff or lots of money. The goal is living life on your own terms. Whether it's decluttering our homes, getting out of debt, or striving to build financial independence, what we are all seeking is actually time. And time is ultimately our freedom. Owning your own time is true wealth. On this podcast, we'll explore ways we can reclaim our life. Please join me, your host, Meg Nordman, on this journey to freedom. Hello, my friends. I hope you have had a lovely week. I am so excited to tell you about today's guest. And before I do that, I want to thank a few of you for spreading the word about the Journey to Freedom podcast. Hearing feedback, whether on the podcast or on my blogs, is so energizing because otherwise it feels like I'm just writing or talking into the void. (laughs) So I can't express how much it means to me when you drop me a line, whether that's in a tweet, a comment, an email, or a review. So special thanks to Justin at the Road to Wealth podcast. He wrote me and said, you're doing a great job. I listened in on the Frugal Expat and a Purple Life episodes. Great work. Signed, a fellow personal finance podcaster. Thanks for that, Justin. It made my week. And you can find Justin at Road to Wealth Pod on Twitter, by the way. He's great. And then I had a tweet from Shraggy T that said, I always say the cheapest investment is a series of financial books, or I recommend the Millennial Money Woman episode on Meg Nordman's podcast, which is totally free. What's there to lose? (laughs) That's some great word of mouth, and I appreciate it, Shraggy. So if you find any value in these conversations, please drop me a line or leave me a review. It's so appreciated and reviews will help others find me in this crazy algorithm as well. And while I'm at it, be sure to sign up for my weekly email newsletter at megnordman.com so you don't miss a thing. I'm churning out all sorts of content, not just the podcast, and I'd love to stay connected with you on all of these topics. All right, let's move on. Today, I'm speaking with Beth English, who happens to be an old friend of mine from my Nashville days early in my career and is now a professional motivational speaker and an artist with a mission to connect people and to teach them how to put their creativity to work. She's built her entire life on openness, creativity, connection, and now she's teaching large audiences to feel the same way. She's blended her experience with trauma recovery with 13 years of art making and community leadership into a simple message to change how people feel. She's been a creative, and I mean that with a capital C, all her life. She's a visual artist, a musician, a writer, a dancer, a stand-up comedian, and a fabulous storyteller. Her artwork has appeared on nationally syndicated television shows, public art installations, murals in the homes and offices of private collectors all around the world, and even on the outside of a city bus. It's hard to describe what her art looks like. It's so expressionist and abstract and colorful and just joyful. So I'll put some images in the show notes so you can take a look. One of Beth's most significant contributions to her community in Nashville was founding and directing the Nashville Creative Group, 
which is now an over 9,000 member group of both online and in-person meetups for creatives in Tennessee. Since 2012, the group has had around 100 in-person meetups and in really inspired an artistic renaissance in Middle Tennessee, while simultaneously providing a safe haven of community, expression, and connection. It has also provided a model for other cities in bringing forth renewed artistic expression for their city and how to support its creative class. So we talk a lot about this further in our conversation today. So now Beth has taken everything she's learned from these experiences and speaks to audiences across the U.S. Recently, she's spoken to audiences at University of Texas at Austin McCombs School of Business, Bridgestone, and Salesforce. These are big. So I am just, I'm so honored to have such an inspiring, intelligent, and joyful friend such as Beth in my life, and I'm delighted to share her with you all today. While I have plenty of interviews scheduled to chat about investing and financial freedom, I really want to continue mixing in conversations that help with mindset as well, because that is step one on any journey to freedom, no matter what your end goal is. If you can master your own mind and emotions and harness that in a positive way or a creative way, then you will be unstoppable and simply enjoy the ride as well. I think you'll come away from this conversation feeling quite motivated and energized. If you take anything from this conversation, I hope it's that investing in yourself is the best investment you could make. You'll hear a lot about the arts in this conversation and probably a lot about marketing too, but I hope you see that no matter what industry you're in, I'd say all of this still applies in some way. And with that, let's dive into today's show. Hi, Beth. Hi, Megan. How are you doing? Well, I'm thrilled to be with you. As always, you're just such a beautiful spirit and presence. So (laughs) the same to you. This is my happy time. (laughs) I miss you. I know you're super busy. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Anytime. Anytime you text or call, I'll be there. (laughs) So you just got back to Nashville after taking a brief hiatus for about a year or so. How is it? Is it just dramatically different? Because it felt like that to me whenever I went back. (laughs) Or is it the same? Well, I have my core community that feels, you know, the same, supportive, encouraging. I love that. Um, I, though, am quite different moving back, you know, stepping away from Nashville, I think, is a really good move when you get wrapped up in everything that is Nashville and you kind of can get lost. You can lose yourself here for sure. And I definitely reconnected with the core of who I am. And now I'm back with that awareness of who I am at that core and can lead from there. So I'm really happy that I made the change, but also that I came back and feel more ready than ever to do the work that I know I'm called to do. So it was a great break. Oh, good, 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 good. I am going to dig into everything you just said in a minute (laughs) because I want to know more. (laughs) I also resonate with everything you just said, as you know, (laughs) I took a a hiatus and then I just didn't really come back. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I figured before we dive into deeper topics, I wanted to let my listeners know that we are actual friends in real life. You're an amazing high achiever, and I'm just so lucky to call you a friend. And um, yeah, so we go way back. I think it was like 2009 or 2010 or something when we met. Mm -hmm. 2009. I yeah. remember meeting you for coffee. Well, first I remember us just being like, I know you. No, I know you too. Okay. Let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> it was instant. It was so instant. Um, yeah. Cause, cause we, we, we emailed all the time mm -hmm. and talked on the phone through our jobs and we, Okay. So I'm just, the story is just now hitting me the real story here. <laughs> and I remember like in, I was I in the conference room at this real estate office I was working at and you were like, um, you know, this is Megan from Nashville arts. And, and I was so excited because Nashville arts was calling me. And then I was like, well, this is the same Beth that you've been talking to about buying ads. <laughs> the magazine and then we made that connection and yeah, it like there was this Beth, is so cool there was Beth that worked at the office for a real estate firm that I knew and then there was Beth the artist in that, that moment when I was like wait this is the same Beth <laughs> that was the beginning of it all I mean I love the magazine and I love the arts community and, and you were the same way we both had such similar passions and so being able to connect that like that and then begin working together and begin using our resources that we both had to kind of bring good and value to the community. That's when I felt like, wow, we were really doing something special. And I didn't know anyone else in the, in town that was like you who had that similar passion, who wanted to go to an art show, but also wanted to go to a classical music concert or this play or whatever it was that was happening in Nashville in the creative arts, but all we both, of the things yeah, we both just like wanted all of it and we were yeah. very hungry for it. And so I thank you for even bringing me into your little world because, you know, I started writing for the magazine and then the magazine started writing about me. And so it was just like this wonderful relationship that just unfolded. So yeah. Well, and another big part of our relationship on top of being just arts lovers and, and creatives and in general, we both nerded out on social media. We were, it was 2009. I just graduated college and Facebook at that point, I think it had just at some point in recent history, just branched out from being a university only platform. And now businesses mm -hmm. were dipping their toes in of like, well, what happens if I make a business profile or a personal profile and can CEOs make a profile or should they not, you know, mm -hmm. and Twitter was just getting on a roll and we were little young babies, young millennials, brand new to the workforce. And it felt like to me back then that anyone who was the youngest person in the office got designated the social media and website person. <laughs> so we didn't really know what we were doing. We just had to figure it out in order to have a job in the middle of a recession. <laughs> right. You know, I, my background was in marketing, so, but not digital marketing. And when I got into a role where it was like part, partly marketing and advertising, you know, luxury real estate, I, 
I knew that we had these tools available to us because I'd been on MySpace for a while and, you know, Facebook was, there was a lot of cool stuff happening there. People were on Facebook and I started a business page. That was when they first, first time businesses were actually building pages Mm -hmm. and, for me, it was like a playground. So I actually introduced all of that into my company without them even asking me to, because I wanted to be valuable because we were in a recession. And so I built a brand new intranet. I built a brand new website. I built their online presence. You know, I managed all their email marketing because it was so much cheaper than buying advertising in newspapers or print or whatever. And so I was looking for ways to minimize the cost and maximize the engagement. And so that was my main focus. And, you know, because it was real estate and recession, like I had all that time during the day to learn all of these things. If I had, if I didn't know them already, I could learn. And so it was a huge moment for me in my life that I took for granted while I was there, because, you know, at that time I was just like, oh, this is not where I want to be forever. But it was the place that I built this strong foundation in which I grew from. So I'm very grateful for that experience. Exactly. Yeah, I felt the same way. When I got there, there was no Twitter account or anything. And so it was a way to prove myself as valuable and turn it from a free internship into an actual paying job. And what I loved was I thought it was a playground too. And you did. And we just shared this passion for just education, just learning and playing around with it and experimenting. And then there were other young women who were in marketing positions in the arts Mm -hmm. um, at the opera and the ballet, the symphony. Um, I think even like, Tennessee State Museum and mm-hmm. the Performing Arts Center, TPAC and Frist, Frist Museum. But I know there was at least like four of us that a few times there, we got together for coffee just so we could nerd out together. Just a bunch of young millennial women that were like, did you know you can make something move inside of an email newsletter? This is how you do it. Here's the code. Here's the software. We were like trading blogs and stuff as we all figured it out together, but we were just all in the art sphere. You were an artist and you were not only doing it for the real estate firm, but for yourself as a personal brand. And Mm -hmm. that was the very beginning of anyone talking about a personal brand for the layman, you know, not a celebrity, you know? Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't really, gosh, I didn't think about it like that because in college, I had studied branding, but for like corporations, right? I was being groomed to be a corporate executive in my business school. And so I came with all of that to feed into my art career. So it was like, of course, I'm going to give myself permission to, you know, brand myself and have a voice and write a blog, you know, like as someone who's not been very good at writing because I'm dyslexic, it was challenging for me to you know, be vulnerable enough to write, to put content out there for everyone to read. But because blogging is so conversational and casual that it was the perfect place for me and my voice because um, I felt like I could communicate who I was more authentically in that space than in like some kind of paper or professional journal or whatever. And so it was great for me. And And yeah, blogging is where people first started hearing about 
me and what I had to say about the arts community because there was no one, no central place talking about what was happening. And, you know, this is sort of like, you know, foreshadowing for the community that I built later on in Nashville, but I wanted people to have an opportunity to come together to enjoy the arts and enjoy the city. And so I was writing about experiences that people could have over the weekends when it came to promoting an art event. Well, don't just go to the art event, go to the restaurant next door to it too. And, you know, do this or that. And I think that was really ahead of my time as far as like, because experiential marketing was still really new. Yeah. Yeah. You were ahead of your time with email marketing too. I remember you're probably the first person that I knew of to harp on the importance of building an email list. And I didn't believe you for a long time. I'll be honest. (laughs) I didn't because I've always hated email. I still, I still um, am trying to get over that and force myself to send out an email once a week right now. Like I should have been doing this 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) but because I hate my own email inbox so much, it's really hard for me to do. But I remember you talking about that. And this was a a big turning point for us. You and I were nerding out on social media marketing just because it's fun. Mm -hmm. And we thought the analytics were cool and we liked seeing this growth and and seeing uh, all the toys we could play with that were being developed daily. It seemed like, Mm -hmm. and, um, Next thing I know, you and I were being asked to speak at workshops and conferences and little, um, uh, what do you call it? Just, uh, I'm pulling a blank on the word, you know, (laughs) we were just going to events. I mean, people were hungry for this knowledge. They saw us doing it really well and they wanted to know how they could apply it to their own work. And this wasn't just individual artists, but this was like organizations as well, because like you said, you know, you have a communications um, person in every organization usually. And so that role was turning into more social media marketing and digital marketing, which was brand new to a lot of people. So we were all just trying to raise up the community together. And I think that's what was like driving us to continue to share what we knew because ultimately it was going to help the arts. And that's really what was at the heart of our work was how do we connect more people with the arts? Because we know how amazing the arts are. And in Nashville, the arts, because you were in the center of it at the magazine, the arts are such a phenomenal place to spend your time. And it really was. Yeah. we, We did this for free over and over for years and years, we were just talking on panels. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and it it was part not understanding our value of what we had to teach people, which I know we can talk about in a minute. (laughs) And then also part genuinely wanting just to raise up the whole community. We really Mm -hmm. wanted other artists and art institutions to be able to reach the general public Um, so that's probably a good way to segue into your group that you created. When, Mm -hmm. what, do you remember what year that was that you began the Nashville 12? Okay. 2012 Nashville creative group. Do you want to explain what that was then and maybe what it is now? And well, I had been in an art group for goodness, two years when I first moved to Nashville, um, being in involved in the arts was important. I had met an artist. I thought 
please be my friend. And she <laughs> invited me to be in her art group. And I love that community. Well, that broke up because people were getting new jobs or having kids and it just, you know, no one could commit to it anymore. And I really wanted to lead a group like what I had experienced, but I didn't have the, I just didn't know exactly how to go about it until someone was like, are artists meeting up doing this thing? Someone had to just ask me for it. And then I was like, no, but we're going to. So here we are. And so we started with the intention of just bringing artists together to talk about the community, our work, what we were doing, what was working, um, how we can help, how we can serve. And that was really the beginnings in 2012. Our Facebook group didn't even start until I think like February the next year. So it surprises a lot of people that we started as just a meetup, not even, not a meetup.com group, but we just were having meetings and uh, once a month. And then we, you know, started the Facebook group and then it just kept catching on. And now, you know, we're well over 9,000 members in our community group, which is amazing to me that so many people want to be connected, want to know artists, want to feel inspired, like that's all that I hear about from artists is what they're looking for is a community to tap into so that they don't feel alone. And all that tells me is that there's people out there who want to do things, who have big ideas, but they just need to be inspired. They just need to be encouraged. And so that was sort of the mission of the group and to share and connect and encourage. And we would host monthly events. Um, we did that for eight years. And that's almost 100 events. So pretty amazing stuff. We brought in speakers. Sometimes I would do the group meeting. Um, We would have show and tells where artists would practice talking about their work in a more professional way. Because if you can't talk about your work, then you probably can't sell your work. So if we want to sell more work, then we need to know how to communicate better. And there was all these little things that we were doing to develop artists along the way. And um I just loved it. I loved the connections. I love the community. I just, I love being around artists. I feel at home. I feel like I belong in that sort of environment. So I didn't, I didn't want to be anywhere else except with other creatives who were like me. And you really pulled from the creative network. That's what I loved was the speakers were often people who had been attending in previous months. So back in the beginning, I was one of the early speakers. I don't remember what year it was, but that was when I was working as a journalist at the Tennessean newspaper. And uh, I was in the entertainment, music, arts, culture section. And so I was receiving so many pitches and queries all day long. Mm. And from that, I learned as being an editor, what a really good pitch looked like, what would grab my attention. And here I was just a hopeful creative, just like everyone else dabbling in art and struggling to call myself an artist and, (laughs) or a writer and showing up for these meetings. And then you asked if I would come up and just talk about PR and how to pitch a journalist and, And you did that a lot. You would pull from the community of you have knowledge on this aspect and everyone else is struggling with this. And I just thought Mm -hmm. that was great. I also wanted to paint a picture of years down the road, what one of your meetups looked like, because it was a life-changing one for me. Wow. (laughs) Um, I still think about it weirdly often. Um, So it was in a red brick building. I think it was the Emma building. I don't know what that was called. Yeah. 
Um, it, go ahead. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And there were what seems like in my memory, hundreds of people, at least a hundred, if not more, and they're all creative. So we're talking about photographers and sculptors and ballerinas and opera singers and jazz musicians and classical musicians and, you know, painters, everything, you name it, any type of creative graphic designers, you know, Mm -hmm. and everyone is all under one roof. And there was a stage you were a speaker. There might've been another speaker. There was a band set up that was like a jam band. That was nothing, not an organized group. It was just musicians in Nashville, which are plenty. Every single person in Nashville is a musician, myself and yourself included. (laughs) And, um, you know, so it's just, if you brought an instrument and you felt like sitting down to join and jam, you could, and it was just so fun. And you had rows and rows of tables set up with I want to say canvases or paper or something for us to paint on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and everybody grabbed a spot. You had paints already out and paint brushes. It's a lot like the setup that I do for my children. When I stick them outside, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. here you go. Here's all the colors and the paint brushes have fun. And, but you walked us through how to just draw, not draw, um, paint freely. Like it was our energy or something. And I'm, sh- I'm going to let you explain it better, but from my memory and my experience, it was the first time that I'd ever done anything abstract because when I draw or paint, I'm trying so hard ever since I was, you know, three or four years old to do everything realistically. And I, I put in lots of teeny tiny details and I focus so hard on making it look like the thing I'm looking at or the thing that's in my brain. And so I really hadn't spent any time in my life just scribble scrabbling, just free form, just I feel like a blue swirl fits this moment and now Mm -hmm. orange polka dots and, you know, and you were like guiding us to let go. Mm -hmm. And I was in like a real creative flow and it was amazing feeling. And then you jerked me out of it. And you made me switch canvases and I had to go and mess up somebody else's and somebody else was messing up mine, which I was now very proud of because I thought it was really strikingly beautiful. And now somebody's putting paint on it. And then you, it was like, um, almost like musical chairs. If I remember correctly, like you would just stop us and we'd switch. And it was this fantastic experience of letting go the ownership of that. Like it didn't matter the outcome. I wasn't going to be leaving with a trophy with a little canvas to go hang up. That wasn't the point. This isn't like, you know, wine and paint night or anything. This was this experience to teach us something. Okay. So now I'm going to hush and let you tell me what that was. (laughs) Okay. So I'll tell you how that got started. So Jerry's Artorama corporate had emailed me to write a blog, like doing link building and all this stuff with some of their products. And I was like, that sounds boring. How about we do this instead? (laughs) And I planned this whole event around the fact that they were giving me all this paint, all these canvases, all these brushes. Like they just sent me like so many fun materials to play with. And I'd actually modeled that entire process of painting with the 12 step program. Oh, really? I had pulled up the 12 step program online and, um, I had read through like all the different steps and I just created my own step with 
making art. And it's just weird because this is one of the very first experiences I designed as an artist. And like, this is what I'm doing now, but like at a more like high level and with high level clients. But this was just something I felt called to do. And so I just, I remember like at the real estate office that day, probably just like typing up my 12 steps that I was going to lead people through in this art experience. And it was beautiful. The music, the collaboration, like it was about collaborating. It was about letting go. It was about impermanence. You know, it was about just like experiencing the joy of the creative process and not just the outcome of the creative process. Exactly. And that's totally what I got from it and what, what sticks with me all these years later, because I had no idea what I was getting into. I was just showing up for the Nashville creative group meetup for the month, you know, no Uh idea what I was stepping into. Yeah. And so how cool is that, that, you know, you left this lasting impression on me and that sounds like it was an event that really solidified the direction you wanted to be heading. So you must have left going, holy moly, what was that? (laughs) It was really fun. It was a ton of work, you know? And so like, that's why we only did it that one time. And, and they, you know, they had all the materials provided too. Like, and like you said before, I was pulling people from the community to speak. It was like, I didn't have resources. And so I had to rely on people to donate the space, to donate the materials, to donate their time. And because the community was about us all helping each other and pulling our resources together, you know, it was an easy, it was an easy way to, you know, build the community because everyone in Nashville, I think is willing to help. That's the impression I have. And there's not competitive, it's collaborative. And I wanted to foster that with the community even more since I didn't see anyone else doing anything like that to engage and foster artists in Nashville. It was like, I wanted to do that because I saw the talent here, the amazing, talented people who are called to live in this city who come here from all over the world. That is an amazing community. So why not just like pour yourself into nurturing that and then see where it takes you? Because the vision wasn't like, let's just see what happens this year. The vision was if we keep creating connections, what happens in 10 years if we've created all of these connections? What happens in 20 years? Because anytime you create connection, you create something new. And that over and over and over again, I just was wanted to see where it went. Like, I didn't know if we'd be encouraging some bright young artists to be this great grand person in their field. You know, you just never know what happens when you encourage someone who's a creator. And that to me has been at the core of why I do all that I do is because I feel led to lead creators to create simply because I don't want to see anyone stopped by fear or self-doubt because the ideas that come to us are meaningful and powerful. And the worst thing that we can do is not follow through with them because most of the time we're getting visions for a reason and it's our job to deliver on those no matter where it takes us. It could take us to the next vision and that's the important that's like the more impactful, meaningful thing, right? Like I didn't know why I was leading a free group for all this time <laughs> until it became clear that, oh, 
you're really good at speaking. You should be a speaker. You can make an impact. Oh, this is like a gift that you have that is so natural that, I mean, it just would come out just effortlessly. Like, how could I bring more of that to the world? So I have found my my purpose and my calling through all of this hard work and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, certainly not a waste. And you've certainly, there's no way you could ever know all of the connections that you've created with that free group. You know, I mean, like every, everyone there was living a dual life for the most part. Most people were not just full-time artists or creatives in that space. So we would all come together and there would be a visual artist that is now meeting a book designer, you know, and now they've, they've got a coffee table book of their art or, you know, some, another visual artist is now meeting a musician and they're doing collaboration on music together. And another one meets another artist who's also an attorney. And it just turns out that they needed some legal work as well and are some direction in that. And, uh, and it was just, I love that it was creatives of all types and not just visual artists, you know, mm-hmm. so it really fostered that collaboration and, and everything. But I want to, um, that was this for the most part for, a, for a long part of your, your story, more of this free hobby passion project. And in the meantime, you had to have a day job to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And I know at one point you and I both worked for the same company, not at the same time, mm-hmm. but, um, and <laughs> this is going to be the downer part of the episode. <laughs> womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. Um, <laughs> yeah. You always focus on joy and light. And I'm like, let's talk about this horrible moment in our life where we worked <laughs> for, <laughs> in this building with no windows. Yeah. <laughs> There was, you didn't know if it was daylight or nighttime, if it was raining, if it was sunny and we were in cubicles and, um, all the bosses were older and, uh, rejected change, resisted change at all cost (laughs) or innovation or collaboration on top of the grueling deadlines. It was incredibly stressful environment. And for me, I am glad I had this experience, this experience, because for this podcast, for this audience, I imagine a large part of the people listening are feeling imprisoned in a place like that. That's Mm -hmm. what I imagine in my mind. They're, you know, chained to this cubicle. They have this boss that just drives them insane. That won't listen to anything, any suggestions, um, And they don't feel like they can leave this job because they're enslaved by debt and bills. And so um, anyway, (laughs) I'm bringing this up. Um, I'm curious. I I actually kind of lose a bit of your story because I was so busy in another chapter of my life of the, of, of what happened with you there what that felt like and why you decided to leave and what that next part of your story was like. Well, I was recruited for an editor position there, which um, at the time was a very great opportunity for me and I took it. So I had been for the 
previous year working with CEOs and entrepreneurs at the Entrepreneur Center as a creative consultant. And so that's what they hired me to do. I was a creative consultant for the newsroom. I was a liaison between news and marketing. I oversaw all the digital media. I led the social media producer team. And I was working with each journalist individually on how to build their brand. So I had quite a lot to do. (laughs) And when I first got into the newsroom, I wasn't a journalist and no one wanted me there. They're like, what is she doing here? But they had also been through like firing and rehiring and like the whole new newsroom thing. And it was just like a big mess. Like they had not been appropriately managing their culture and their team in a way that fostered growth. Everyone felt shut down. There was no trust. And so I walked into a big old mess, but (laughs) I didn't realize that at the time. So I'm like bright eyed and cheery, like, let's go, let's do this. And everyone's just like, shut up. (laughs) We hate you. (laughs) So like everyone hated me in the newsroom, except maybe a handful of people. And it was hard. It was really hard emotionally. I had to like, I would sit in my car every morning and just pray because I knew that I was there for a reason. I knew that God had led me there for a reason. And I felt that so deep within me. And so I just prayed about it. And I would walk in there with like almost an invisible shield where I knew that no matter how chaotic it was around me, that it wasn't going to disturb my peace. And so I just did my job. You know, I did my, I always do a great job with whatever I'm doing because I put my whole heart into everything that I do. And because I had not, because I had been working with CEOs and entrepreneurs, like I didn't care if you were a VP, I didn't care if you were the publisher, I didn't care if you were the, you know, the main editor or whoever you were. Like I had a job to do there. And if you were getting in the way of that, like I would let you know because it was to change the culture and it was to change the way that we, um, nurtured the creatives. Like if you're a journalist, you're a creative, you're a writer and you need an environment to produce your best work. And it wasn't an environment like that. And so I did everything that I could to remind the journalists that number one, they're human beings and they need to be treated that way. They're not computers. They're not robots. Like, I mean, the editors would yell over people as they were typing to type faster to get their Mm -hmm. deadline. And it was like, are you kidding me? Is this how we really treat people? And I remember they told the news director told me that we're not human, that we need to leave our humanness at the door. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's not possible. That's not how I choose to live my life, you know? And like, I didn't care that I would like buck up against the news director, which everyone just cowered to. I was like, who, who do you think you are trying to tell me how to be a human? I'm more human than you are. Like, this is what's important. So I'd like stood my ground and slowly, but surely over the course of the year, I had all these really great wins with the teams that I was leading, with the events that I was executing, with all the community engagement and social reach that I was achieving. I mean, I remember looking at a graph of our social reach. And it was just like straight up as soon as I got that job because no one was even executing even the most basic, basic social media stuff when it came to reaching audiences. So I wish I had a graphic of that because it was just summed up like how I did a badass job and I knew I wanted to leave and I, because I wasn't, I just 
ugh, it was just such a gross place. But I actually got laid off because everyone in the company had been laid off that had my position because the new newsroom was this hot thing. But then it was like, oh, this doesn't work after a year. How do you know if it doesn't work after a year if no one's even implementing even any of the strategies because no one's willing to change? It was like, almost every problem. year. Every year yeah. there was like a massive layoff and they started over again. <laughs> Yeah. So after that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I feel free again. And of course, I went through that spiral of, well, what am I going to do next? Because I had just separated from my ex-husband. Then I had lost my job and it was just like the worst time in my life. And I remember setting up so many meetings like the month right after to try to like make something happen, make something happen, make something happen. And then I just got this overall feeling of like just to let go. And I just let go and I just didn't do anything for like a month. And I, and I had this idea in my head, like, it's all going to come together, but just be patient. So I did, I just was patient. And that's when I decided that I would start my own business. And I have been doing that since that was five years ago. So I launched my next thing as a marketing consultant And then I realized that people didn't really have a marketing problem. They have a mindset problem. And over the years, I've learned that in business, people aren't successful because it's mostly their mindset that they don't have um, um, in alignment with everything that they're doing. So, and this is where I feel like maybe your listeners will really love the direction of this conversation because we want to make more money. We want to be more successful. We want to like be, you know, independent when it comes to our finances. But like the only way you're going to get there is if you actually believe that you can. And that is a hard leap to make because Mm -hmm. if you're not even doing it yet, how do you believe that you can do it? Right. It's like, you have to just have that much faith in yourself. And for me, I didn't know that I, like every time I had tried to go on, be an entrepreneur, like I'd failed, I'd probably failed like three times before that, where I where it wasn't taking off. Yeah. And I, but this time I knew like it was going to work and I put everything into it. Like if I had, if I had low months, I'd sell my furniture or I'd sell my jewelry or like, you know, I'd get a new, or I'd get a gig and like, that would be like carry me through a couple months or whatever. And it's just like, and then I realized, Oh, I'm going to start a re- retainer model business, which changed everything because then I had like consistent income coming in every single month. And so that really helped me sort of get off of that, like filling the pipeline and doing the work and looking for more work kind of model. What's a two sentence description of retainer? A retainer is when a client pays you a set fee every month for multiple months. And so- if you are doing work for a client, instead of maybe doing it like a project-based pricing or time-based pricing, you just tell them it's a retainer price. And that means that they have XYZ access to you throughout the month. And these are the deliverables that they give you. If I've learned anything, it's that there are so many different types of models for businesses out there. Some are sustainable and some are not. And if you're in a model that's not sustainable, that's probably why you're struggling. It's not you. It's not your value. It's not your gifts or your product. Like maybe it's just the model that you're using. And so what I have learned is how to create models that are scalable, that are 
going to give you the life that you actually want and how to price yourself accordingly. Because if you're undervaluing yourself, then you're never going to make the kind of money you actually really need to have the kind of life you really want. So that was a big shift. And I made those shifts because I was in the right group of people, hanging out with entrepreneurs, talking about models, joining this coaching program, getting involved. Like I knew that I had to learn this stuff and it took time, but I am way better off because of it, especially learning from people who've been there before I have. And that's when we have to like let our guard down and seriously ask for help. Yeah. Oh, so there's all kinds of things that I'm over here jotting down questions on my pen and pad as you're talking. So one of the things you mentioned was um, you were basically alluding to lifestyle design. You, you were saying you wanted to create a model that would allow you to live the type of life that you want to live. Mm-hmm. And it jogged my memory of you finding a rental on a lake. You specifically knew that you needed water in your mm-hmm. life. And this mm-hmm. is something I talk about with part of why I think my husband and I were successful with achieving fire was that we made this big decision to, we needed to be by the ocean. Like there was just this one aspect of, that was a huge part of lifestyle design for us mm-hmm. in order to be happy while putting in the really hard work. And mm-hmm. that was something for you. I remember you, you just really needed a lake view in order mm-hmm. to focus, I think, and just be at peace. So mm-hmm. do you want to talk about that for a minute? Because you, you took pictures almost every day and put it on your Instagram. Yeah. And I still do. I still go to that I lake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I lived out at the lake for four years. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, I had just been through a divorce, so I had to move and I got to choose where I moved next and I wanted to live on the lake. I actually had friends out there, so it made it really convenient to, um, know where exactly I wanted to be. I rented an apartment and here's, what's funny too, is I had just come off of living, you know, being married for almost, I wasn't married for 10 years, but I was with my ex for 10 years and, (laughs) and yeah, I felt like I was going back to college or something like having to go live in an apartment, you know, after I'd been in a house and everything. And so it was like a lot of shame that I was dealing with. And then on top of that, like I probably couldn't afford a one bedroom either. So I had to get a roommate, which was also like, Oh, how old are you? Like seriously, Beth. But it was, it was amazing because I you know, was able to get a two bedroom unit at the lake. I had a roommate, which, and I charged, you know, I didn't split the rent. She leased from me, which the, if it just made sense for me to do that. And it made my bills really, really low. So nice in the it, financial independence community. That's probably under the house hacking term. <laughs> Yes. So I had super low bills. I was working from home. So my gas was really low. I had a business center at the apartment. So I got free internet. I didn't watch TV and I would just go to the lake and I would work and that was it. And I launched all my, I launched my business, my website. I did all of that myself um, because, you know, I'd been teaching myself that work since, gosh, I've been building websites since I was in high school. So there's just all these little things that I was doing or I was learning. Like I remember I didn't have a lot of money and meat was expensive. So I just decided I wouldn't eat meat anymore. 
Yeah. It would make my bill at the grocery, like so much less if I just only ate vegetables. And so I became a vegetarian, which is another, I think a beautiful, like plant-based living also like taught me live the life I wanted because I was all about raising my vibration, so to speak. Like, how do I raise my energy flow, be at the lake, take care of my body, you know, make, you know, reduce the stress, you know, eliminate the chaos, focus on the goals, like all of these things I was doing and Hey, it worked out. It did. And I really want to get into investing in yourself, but before we dig into that, I want to talk about the big change that you made last year. Um, you, you left Nashville, which was just for everybody. I mean, you've, you've built this, you know, 10,000 person community, every creative in Nashville knows who Beth English is. And you're kind of like the backbone of the creative community in a sense. And, and it was just this jaw dropping moment when Beth announced she was leaving Nashville. (laughs) And, um, was it jaw dropping? I didn't realize that (laughs) it was, it was, I'm still friends with just hundreds of people from Nashville and everyone was just like, Oh gosh. So, but I want you to talk a little bit, paint a picture because this isn't the entire focus of this podcast, but a huge focus of this podcast is people just trying to achieve more freedom. A lot of that is financial freedom. A lot of it's time freedom. Um, and it's just really to just live a more free and fulfilling life. And there's a lot of people I know listening that are in hard spots right now and in debt and not sure how to move forward. And you, you took a big step to help your finances. If I'm not wrong here, So just, yeah, tell me, tell me what was going on about a year ago and how hard it was, or maybe not. And tell me about that year. Well, COVID hit all my speaking engagements were canceled and I pivoted back to doing marketing consulting work so I could at least have work. So it wasn't really, and I didn't know what would happen. We didn't, we, none of us knew what was going to happen. Right. Um, I just knew that. I'd spent two months in my apartment all alone and I was losing my mind. And for my mental health sake, it made sense to go be with my family in this beautiful place that they live in Texas. And they had offered like, come stay here. I'll, I'll go for the summer and then I'll come back. Like it was never like I'm moving forever. It was like, this is temporary. I'm moving while everyone's going crazy with COVID. I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I just want to go frolic around in the water and the woods. And it was an option. So I took it. So it was a matter of like getting out of my lease, which was easy because, you know, circumstances, I wrote a letter. It was fine. No penalties. Right. Like we have options and sometimes we don't realize that we have options. And that's something we have to ask ourselves when we want to make a big move or what are all of the things, what are all of my options? Like, let's just write them all down and see what's possible. And I think why people sometimes feel stuck is because they're not willing to make big drastic changes in their life. But my life has been blown up so many times with so many different hard struggles that I'm not afraid to make big changes because I know that I can like rebuild myself. It doesn't matter. Like let's make a big change. Yeah. Let's move. Let's put all my stuff in storage. Let's sell everything else on Facebook marketplace. You know, I made that decision and two weeks later I was gone. It happened that quick. And, you know, I knew that, of course, I was going to save money 
because what, you know, I had been building myself back up for after my divorce. Cause that was, that was really financially hard on me. Um, in particular, I built myself back up from there and I wasn't going to come back after COVID and be in the same place I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back even stronger. I'm going to have good mental health. I'm going to save my money and I'm going to invest in myself. And so that's what I did. And now that I'm back and I feel like a newfound like way to lead people who've been through this tragic experience that, you know, trauma leaves an imprint on us that immobilizes us in ways that we can't even imagine. Like, but I'm here to encourage people. So I had to be strong. Like I had to be ready to be the person, the voice that's going to say, you may feel like where you are right now is, is, is really hard or is a struggle or you don't know what to do next. But let me tell you, like there's, there's options. Like let's think about possibilities here. Let's look at our mental health. Let's look at what we're thinking about and how we're like honoring ourselves. And all too often we're never honoring ourselves enough. And that's why it's hard to make these big changes because we're not loving ourselves enough through all of the struggle to feel empowered, to believe that we can make a difference in our lives, that we can create the change that we want. And so like in my, in my work, like that's where I, that's where I begin is we're in a really tender place. Well, let's just not, we're not going to just start working right now. Like let's be in that tender place. Let's heal that tender place. And let's grow from there because trying to do all the big dreams that you want to do from a place of emptiness and hurt and pain, like that's too, that's too hard. No, like let's feel the experience that we're having in the most gentle, loving way possible. Let's let ourselves be heard and seen and where we're going and what we're experiencing in a way that's going to empower us, not just bring us down. And so I have a process, like I have a framework, like this is what I do, like with all of my clients. And so when they think I'm going to talk to them about creativity, what they don't realize is I'm actually talking to them about their trauma that's been unresolved. Yeah. Because creativity is all about our senses, what we notice, what we wonder, what we think, what we feel, how we experience the world. And creative energy is powerful, healing, beautiful energy. And if we can access that more easily, then everything will be easier. And a lot of times people are shut down emotionally or mentally, and they don't let that creative energy flow through them because we feel unsafe in our bodies and our creativity is connected to our body. So everything that I do with my clients is more of a somatic experience, meaning it's a way of connecting the mind and the body together and leading from there. Because if we're shut down in our senses, like, then what are, what can we create from there? Nothing. Like our beauty is coming through the lens that we have, the way that we see the world and experience it. And if we want to create ourselves, create freedom for ourselves, we need that creative energy flowing through us. And the way to do that is by getting into your body, loving yourself, nurturing yourself in a way that makes you feel strong and not empty. Exactly. Yeah. Freedom, freedom for yourself. That that's a huge thing I want to highlight. And I also want to talk about I want to highlight that a lot of these folks that are listening right now, 
they're working and they may be working, even if they're working on financial independence, they may be working for 10 years in order to save that much money and invest that much money in order to buy their freedom in that sense. And getting in touch with your creative self is so important in order to obtain a good job or to keep a job or to climb up within a job, to get those promotions, to get those leadership positions. That's why this is so important. Am I, am I wrong? Is this what you're teaching? Yeah. I, the, the more creative you are, and I'm not saying like we all have to paint or write or that's not what I mean. Like right. creative in the way that we approach developing our life. Um, the more confident we are, right. And the more mm-hmm. confident we are, the more money we know that we deserve, you know? And so when I started pursuing speaking as a career, I joined a coaching program and I learned really quick that I was not charging enough money. And then I started charging what my coaches told me to charge. And it was probably like four times the amount Wow! I was charging. So then, and within a year, I was already doubled my, my event fee four times. So it's like, if we want to make more money, we have to be confident in that we deserve more money. And that's, you have to ask for it. And by, and you're more confident when you're actively loving yourself and noticing your gifts and noticing your talents. And that's how you can rise above the rest. Like if you really want to be radically different, well then really love yourself and know your worth and be that person who goes out into the world and says, I deserve this because I, because I love myself enough to realize that I have something to offer that only I can offer. Exactly. And then not only will you achieve maybe more financial reward for that, uh, but you're going to just enjoy that period. So for most people, it takes about 10 years to achieve financial independence. Well, you don't want to be miserable in that 10 years. (laughs) You know, you want to be loving life and loving yourself. Mm -hmm. So I just think, I think the work that you're doing is really important. I also wanted to talk about in that year in Texas, you and I chatted a few times and you joined a mastermind, I believe. And I joined a group coaching program. Okay. And I guess it's kind of like a mastermind, but. Okay. And you, I know right before you left, you took a um, stand-up comedy course just to work on your stage presence and mm-hmm you've done a couple of other things that you've, you've taken, you had this money, you've built yourself back up and you didn't want to lose it all during the pandemic. So you were able to go and find a resting place with your parents and get back in touch with yourself. And you took a fraction of that money, a good percentage of that money and invested that in yourself. You learned about sales. You learned about, tell me, tell me everything that you did to invest in yourself and create this just Beth 2.0 that's taking over the world right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Um I just see the hard work. So it's like, I don't know. Um yeah, I joined a I joined a group coaching program, which you know is guiding me to become hundred percent virtual because I understand the value in being virtual and I love being virtual, the freedom that it gives me to move about the world and still be able to serve my clients in a really powerful way. And so I 
simply by the amazing people that I have been around in this community, I have up-leveled my mindset to a place where it's like, this is how other people are making money and doing life. Like, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. I know it's going to be hard work. Like I'm not afraid of hard work and I I enjoy it because I know like it's going to get me to my next thing, especially like deep down, you know, when you're supposed to be doing something and you just got to give it your all. But I just spent the year and I'm still in the program. I'm still learning and growing about what I need to do next. And investing in yourself is so important because instead of, I mean, it just keeps telling me to charge more, charge more. And as a woman (laughs) who, you know, was taught to be small, how are you going to have the confidence to charge more if you're coming from that place? I mean, if you're, and I just, I just texted a friend last week. I did a big keynote. I told them what my fee was and they told me to multiply that times four again. Goodness. And I'm like, really? I can charge that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you say, like I'm going to do it. And why not? Like, why not throw a number out there that, and I have another friend and she changed her model and she's charging like, like three times what she was charging and she's working way less. It's like, it's all about the model for, and the framework in which you serve your clients. Like that can help you become more financially independent than you think. So that's something to consider. And I, I was on a coaching call a couple of weeks ago and everyone came to the table sharing their models, their things that they had learned. And I was amazed by what people were doing with their clients, how they were serving them, what they were charging them. It was unbelievable. And I was just like, this is the exact right place for me. So if being an entrepreneur is something that you want to do, go hang out with entrepreneurs. You know, if being a writer is something you want to do, go hang out with writers. You got to learn what people are doing who are in the arena, who are doing the work. Because otherwise, like everything else you think might work is just maybe just your opinion or your idea. Like actually go out and talk to people who are doing it and see how they're making it happen. And they're going to tell you that they're charging their worth. That's the one thing I want people to understand is if you're not charging your worth, do it. And if you don't know what your worth is, then start asking a lot of really good questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember the, the correct way to say this, but there's a, a quote that's something like, you are the result of the five people you hang around the most. Mm-hmm. And I, I think of that often. And you've purposely joined a community of high achievers, higher, high performers. Mm-hmm. And you're, so Where you're I'm being at the ins- bottom. <laughs> I li- like I'm at the bottom <laughs> and that's like exactly where I want to be because exactly. that just means I'm going to rise up even faster. Yeah. You want to be around people that are, you're, you want to be pulled up to their level, Ooh, but it hurts. <laughs> I'm telling you it is not fun. <laughs> like getting smacked around. (laughs) I bet. Growing pains. You know, that's why people, that's why there's that phrase exists. Growing is, can cause pain. Mm -hmm. It's losing friends. It means shifting your normal, um, making big changes. Like anytime you make a change in your business or your organization, there's going to be that transition period. That's hard, you know? 
but embrace the struggle and rejoice because you know that you are learning something new that's going to get you to where you want to be. Exactly. <laughs> oh gosh. I love talking to you. I miss talking to you. <laughs> Girl. Every time I get off the phone with you, I'm just like buzzing. Oh, <laughs> well, we should and, talk more then. <laughs> and, <laughs> I know. and this is why you found your calling. You're so, you're so uplifting and yeah, you've, you've got the high, the high vibes, this energy wavelengths you're talking about. You got to keep consistent, healthy flow of energy going through you to support all of the things that you want to do. And if you don't have a consistent, healthy flow of energy, then you're really not fully living your best life. What do you do to nurture that? Well, I do yoga, I stretch, I walk, I do hula hooping, um, I dance a lot. I find any reason and all reason to be in my body moving in a free, joyful way. I love and that. if we're shut down, if we're not capable of doing that or there's shame involved with that or, um, you know, I'm not going to give myself permission to be that way, well, then there's a block there. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do. Like I help people remove those blocks so that they can have a healthy flow of energy and give themselves permission to live that way. A lot of times we're like, meh, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Meh. You see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, meh. okay, <laughs> well, if you choose, if you choose that for yourself, then that's what you're going to get. But if you really want to make a change in your life, be bold, be dramatic, be drastic, like radical. Like, I love thinking radically, doing radical things. I don't know why. Like, it just seems exciting to me because you know what? If you mess up, oh, well, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen if you dance the entire time you're cooking dinner for your family? They may look at you like, what's gotten into her or him? I do it when I'm washing dishes. That's a great time to put on the groove. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime you can allow yourselves to be free and flow is a good time. Like you just also, this morning, you get out in nature a lot. I mean, your Instagram from the past five years, I highly encourage people to go and look at it. It's really fun. I mean, you're just in nature and you get your camera lens like up on like a dew drop and then it splashes down off of a leaf and it just feels profound. And you take us there with us. You take us there with you, like the presence that you experienced that morning, you know, and it's like, Oh, I'm sitting here on a digital screen. I should go get outside. Beth English is out there kayaking this beautiful blue river this morning and marveling at a dewdrop on a single leaf. I, sh- I should probably put the screen down and go move my body and get outdoors. And, uh, I just, I find you really inspiring. So. Thank you, Megan, I love to hear that because, you know, from, from my perspective, it's, it's not always that magical. I mean, you think, Oh, this is pretty. I'll share that. You know, it's not like, Oh, I want to transform people's lives with this image, but <laughs> Um, you know, I just know, I just try to find things that make me feel happy, make me feel at peace. And nature does that for me, for sure. I found that to be hundred percent true. Um, and I, I need it because look, 
like I said, we need that creative energy flowing through us, right? Well, nature is like living creative energy. So like if you just go hug a tree, seriously, um, you'll feel better. If you go put your feet in the grass, you'll feel better. If you just go sit outside and just stare at the leaves blowing and like just wonder what it's like to be a leaf, then um, and just look up. I feel like that's something I've been telling myself a lot lately. Just look up. Like there's actually science behind this, like with your ocular system with your brain is we're supposed to get outside and look up at the sky and get this big panoramic view. It wakes us up. And, um, and I, I know I get a big burst of energy from that. It's, 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 truly incredible and healing to be out in nature. And a lot of people are like, I don't have time for that. Well, you don't have time for the things you don't make time for. So I get it. But if you want to make time for it, try one hour a week. Try starting small. Um, Make a date with yourself to go to the park or maybe go visit some place that looks cool that you've always wanted to stop at that you never have. Like just go do it and see what happens. Yeah. I do yoga in the morning, most mornings. And I, um, I watch yoga with Adrian. Have you ever seen her on YouTube? Yes. I do yoga with Adrian. You do too. She's like the number one Googled and YouTube search word person, like year after year, everyone loves yoga with Adrian. And one of the things she says in almost every episode is something to the effect of thank yourself for showing up for yourself today. And I just love that. It was just like really shifted my view of, okay, I can carve out 15 minutes a day just to show up for myself for 15 minutes. I spend the rest of my day serving my family, my kids, this household, my social media audience, whatever it is, you know, like I'm, I'm always serving everyone else, but I can carve out 15 minutes for myself. And of course that grew once I became comfortable of comfortable with thanking myself for showing up for myself today. Then it grew to 30 minutes, an hour. And now I'm over yesterday. I was telling my husband, I'm like, I'm setting boundaries of here's office time and office hours so I can do the things I want to do. And it's taken me a long time to get there. But uh, yeah. What I love about her is that she brings um, a different side to yoga that I think a lot of people have been missing seen out on like it's not just physical lose weight be in shape like it's mind body spirit so she really helps her audience tap into their spirit and their emotions and their thoughts and what they truly want out of life in a beautiful loving gentle way and I think that that's how I like to approach my work as well is let's bring people through an experience in a loving gentle way with lots of compassion and grace so that they're not getting stuck along the way when they have like a mishap or you know They just don't make the progress that they think that they should be making because that's life. We have to walk the walk and it's not always easy and we just can't give up the first time things get hard either. So, but Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you for showing up for yourself because it's, it's just an, an extremely important thing to do because look, if you give yourself that time, aren't you so much better at your work? Exactly. It's productive. It's all intertwined. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you and not just sit here and talk about index funds and real estate investing and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it's this holistic view of we have to take care of our mindset. We have to take care of our body. 
if we're ever going to have the ability to make more money or save more money in order to get to that down the road, invest until you're free chapter. Like there's so much other work that has to be done. You have to lay the groundwork first, take care of yourself. And plus I'm, another huge part is what happens when you retire early, then what are you happy with yourself? Cause nothing changes. There's not going to be like this big overnight Cinderella fairy godmother moment where everything magically changes. You just have to go ahead and build that right now and build that lifestyle and be happy with who you are and what you're doing with your life mm-hmm. right now in, in the hustle, in the grind, in the mm-hmm. save and invest stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why this conversation I thought was so important to have today. Well, thank you for saying that. Yes. I mean, your podcast is called journey to freedom and it's all about the journey. And if you're not enjoying the journey, then you're missing out on the the moments right in between same with the creative process. If you're only focused on the outcome of your creativity, then you're not enjoying the process of creativity and everything that it, it, it has for you to experience. So it's all about the journey. It's like, I remember I used to tell people, oh, I've worked so hard to get here, so hard. And then I would hear myself and I would ask myself, was that the story that I want to tell? Do I really want it to be so hard? And so I remember very distinctly that I decided to change that narrative and it wasn't going to be so hard. It was going to be so wonderful and great. And so I had to change the way that I even experienced the struggle and the hard work mm-hmm. because I think we all struggle. We can, we can attest to that, but like how we struggle, how well do we struggle? Yeah. Like that's a question to ask yourself because if it's so hard, yes, things are going to be hard. I get that. But I just mean the day to day to day, like, and you'll quit with that mindset. You'll right. You know, you may set this goal of in 10 years from now, in 15 years from now, I'll retire early. Well, if you, if it seems like deprivation and hard work and rice and beans, and I never get to go anywhere, or do anything, well, you're, you're not going to stick it out for 10, 15 years. Look, I had to eat rice and beans, but I made the best damn rice and beans you right? ever ate. Put some Tony Casheries in that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And I still make the best damn rice and beans you've ever had because that's how I was doing life, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, thank you so much, Beth. Thank you for chatting on the Journey to Freedom podcast and with my audience today. I really appreciate it. I know you've got tons of stuff going on. Let people know where they can find you. Um, I think it's just Beth English everywhere, right? That's with an I. Yes, you guys can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Beth English. I would love to connect with you and answer any questions that you have. Feel free to send me a message on Facebook or a DM on Instagram. I'm, you know, a human being just like you are, and I'm happy to connect and, um, you know, share whatever else that would be of service to you. And you can visit my website at bethenglish.com. And if you would like a really easy place to find me all over the web and see everything I'm doing, just go to bethenglish.com forward slash hello. And it will introduce you to my YouTube channel and to my coaching program, to all the goodies that I have my community group, the Nashville creative group. So would love for you to connect with that as well too. So just go visit bethenglish.com forward slash hello. And I can't wait to connect with you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Beth. I hope you have a lovely day.
Thank you, Megan. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Bye. Bye.